Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell. all of my Jewish listeners a blessed Passover, which begins tonight, as Jacob Goldback said, and wishing Jacob a, uh, and your family, Jacob, a blessed Passover. You'll be leaving the show sort of midstream to attend your Seder tonight. Uh, then, of course, this coming Friday is Good Friday for Protestants and Catholics, so we'll have a, a best of the Richard Serrett show on Good Friday. And then the following Friday is... Orthodox Good Friday, so I'll be taking that Good Friday off. All right, the uh, the day after Manhattan District Attorney Elvin Bragg, who, by the way, campaigned for office on getting Donald Trump. And uh, so the day after he released that 34-count indictment alleging business records violations that uh, somehow tainted an election. There's a long list of experts and commentators lining up to attack Bragg. If the uh, New York bench retains any integrity, says uh, constitutional expert Jonathan Turley, this case will be thrown out as legally improper with an admonition to Bragg and his office for politicizing the criminal justice process. Turley went on, In a single indictment, Alvin Bragg bulldozed any high ground that the Democrats had after January 6th. He has fulfilled the narrative of the Trump campaign by supplying a raw and undeniable example of the politicization of the legal system. And then there was John Bolton, long a harsh critic of President Trump, who said he was, quote, extraordinarily distressed by how weak this case is. He said, I think it's easily subject subject to being dismissed or a quick acquittal for Trump. Harvard professor emeritus Alan Dershowitz says the indictments didn't really include any crime. He said in his press conference, Alvin Bragg mentions a couple of them, 
but they all relate to Stormy Daniels and other kinds of personal, sexual and other payoffs. That's not a crime. It's just not a crime. Trump pleaded not guilty to the 34 counts regarding his business records. Dershowitz openly wondered, where's the victim here? Who was hurt? Stormy Daniels isn't the victim. Who is the victim here? And do you ever devote that much time and resources, a lawyer's time, to such a victimless crime? Commentator Paul Morrow at Fox News noted that the flaws in the case, including the issue of selective prosecution, the escalation to a felony by use of a federal statute over which Manhattan District Attorney Elvin Bragg has no jurisdiction, The question of how a 2016 event comes within the statute of limitations on the purported charges. These are the flaws in this case. He also cited the premature release of information about the 34 charges by someone who had access to the indictment. New York law makes it a felony to release grand jury information. So in in light of that and in light of the Equities involved in this historic case, where is the leak investigation into this unlawful grand jury disclosure? Trump's lawyers should not only file for a charge of a change, rather a change of venue, they should file for a change of venue. But they should also refer Bragg's office to the New York State Bar Disciplinary Committee for potentially violating this basic tenant of criminal procedure law. In fact, an attorney is uh, the leaker, if in fact, rather, an attorney is the leaker. They should also refer the matter to the New York State Attorney General because there's a potential criminal charge here. The Washington Examiner, in an unsigned editorial, said, This indictment is nothing but a mockery of the legal system. The charges brought against Trump by Manhattan District Attorney Elvin Bragg are exactly as dumb and weak as advertised. They are highly unlikely to stand up in court unless it is through the good graces of a politically motivated judge. This according to the Washington Examiner. And uh, the Examiner's piece explains several failings, including that the events happened, again, outside the five-year statute of limitations and were sustained only by Bragg's tortured reasoning, quote-unquote, that Trump was unavailable to contact While he was president, it continued. Finally, there is no question that no one except Trump would ever be prosecuted under such flimsy allegations. This is just Bragg's moment in the limelight. Exactly. This is the self-promotion extravaganza of a man so lacking in professional ethics that he campaigned on a subtle but unmistakable promise to go after Trump, boasting that he had sued the Trump administration more than 100 times and promising ominously to hold people people in power accountable. And then the uh, Washington examiner accused Bragg of trying to interfere with an election and make a big name for himself. Further, the examiner piece uh, goes on, all 34 counts hinge on the word of a convicted perjurer. That would be Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer who um, allegedly made the payments to Stormy Stormy Daniels and um, the other woman in question, the Playboy model, McDougal, is that her name? 
So this would require to establish Trump's direct involvement in any bookkeeping chicanery. And even beyond it, that it's doubtful that any crime was committed at all. After all, it's not illegal to pay hush money. Bragg knew that he had no criminal case against Trump. However, after running on bagging Trump for some time, any crime, or for some crime, any crime, Bragg knew that many would not care if he had a basis for a criminal charge or not. He would be lionized to be the first person to ever indict a former president in his blind rage against Trump. He warned that Bragg is trying to litigate a federal election violation that the Department of Justice chose not to charge. Oh, that's uh, Now that's Alan Dershowitz speaking, I believe. Bragg is trying to litigate a federal election violation that the Department of Justice chose not to pursue. Further, the indictment itself is a series of stacked counts of falsifying business records for the purpose of influencing the election. The indictment seems to address the lack of legal precedent with a lack of simplicity or sorry, with a lack of specificity on the underlying secondary felony. Bragg has done nothing more than replicated the same flawed theory dozens of times. This is where math and the law meet. If you multiply any number by zero, it is still zero. Dershowitz said This is a defining moment for many who have rationalized this abuse of the criminal justice system. For those attorneys, they have reached the point described by Robert Oppenheimer after the development of the atomic bomb. He stated in some sort of crude sense, which no vulgarity, no humor, no overstatement can quite extinguish. The physicists have known sin, and this is a knowledge which they cannot lose. He said the truth, the same is true for many in our profession. While some of us have warned that Mar-a-Lago could present a serious threat to Trump, we have warned that the Bragg prosecution is the denial of the core legal principle of blind justice. This expensive, drawn-out effort would not have occurred for anyone other than Donald Trump. It is not just selective prosecution. It is exclusive prosecution for Trump and Trump alone. So... Having said all this, it could be Elvin Bragg, the district attorney of Manhattan, who winds up behind bars for leaking grand jury documents, or he could be disbarred. Meanwhile, donations pour in for Donald Trump. And according to the latest SLU YouGov poll, Trump now leads Biden by seven points. That's a swing of 10 points in about a week. All right, coming up on the show today, this week in rock history with Jeremiah Tittle, co-host of The 500, and we'll look at this day in 1994, Kurt Cobain, leader of Nirvana, either took his own life or was murdered. And uh, also on this day, the opening sequence of the Beatles' 1964 movie Hard Day's Night was filmed. We'll look at both of those. Your calls in hour two. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Now I need you, don't let me down. Bring your A game. This is an hour two. So you've got an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes to practice in front of a mirror. Country music star Derek Johnson will be here in hour two. He's our feature interview. And he'll explain why Trump's indictment makes him a legend, an icon, and a folk hero. 
This hour, Tony Heller from realclimatescience.com helps us push back against the cult of climate change. Calgary's total fraud of a mayor cowered and then fled from the podium after she was asked to explain her support for defunding the police. Kian Bexty from the counter signal was the one that asked her that question, and he'll be here shortly with the story. But first, when we come back, we'll tell you about a petition to get that Vancouver cop who watched and smirked as Billboard Chris was getting assaulted, a petition to get her fired. Plus, the crazy, ridiculous, unhinged Ontario NDP is proposing a bill to ban drag queen protests or protests against drag queen events. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News is next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Wednesday, April the 5th, 2023. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Yesterday, we had Chris Elston on the program, a.k.a. Billboard Chris, talking about the assault uh, that took place. He was assaulted at a um, Transgender Day of Visibility rally in Vancouver, and we uh, we learned about the Vancouver cop, Frederica Buckman, who just stood there smiling uh, while he was being pummeled by these radical uh, trans activists. Now Rebel News is launching a petition to have her fired. I applaud the effort. Sheila Gunn-Reed is with us. She is Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on rebelnews.com. Sheila, welcome back. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, Now, this isn't the first time that uh, Frederica Buckman uh, um, or it wouldn't be the first time if she is, in fact, disciplined for this, and I hope she is, but this wouldn't be the first time. Take us back to 2021. Sure. So 2021, a Vancouver police inspector was assigned to review a complaint against um, Ms. Buckman, I assume. I could be misgendering her, and she'll probably ignore an assault against me if that's the case. Um, uh, Ed reviewed her conduct in delivering the news to a family that their child had died. The Vancouver police investigated themselves as uh, just like the liberals do and found that there was no wrongdoing, but a retired judge assigned to it um, took another look and found that Buckman had committed discreditable conduct, neglect of duty, discourtesy and abuse of authority. Um, When she basically informed a family that their child had died in the most cruel and callous of ways. And we saw that callousness play out one more time as a man was assaulted, basically right in front of her on camera, multiple camera angles. And she stood there with her hands in her pocket, smirking while the man had the evidence of the violence committed to him on his face. And she accused him of inciting the violence against him just by standing there peacefully with a billboard arguing against the medical transition of children. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Um, just um, to go back to 2021 for a moment. So this was, I believe, an indigenous family. Yes. Uh, who had lost their son. And so what is she? She stormed into their house, basically, and, and just kind of blurted out, oh, by the way, your son Glenn is dead or something like that. Yeah, that's basically what happened. So in instead of, you know, in 
taking care that this was the worst day of these people's lives. She barged in and just as an aside mentioned to them, your kid's dead. And, um, you know, there's some allegations that her conduct was um, people were saying or the allegations were that it was led by bigotry, that um, because this was a poor Indigenous family, Officer Buckman didn't give a damn. And we've seen how she doesn't give a damn about people that she disagrees with. Um, as we saw with Billboard Chris, Chris Elston being assaulted um, on camera evidence on his body that it had happened. She wasn't concerned with any of it. She actually victim blamed him. She's the kind of cop that in the days of yore would go around with a tape measure, measuring your skirt to see if you had it coming. Right. You're right. Uh, So rebel news is launching a petition. Tell us about it. Sure. My colleague, Drea Humphrey, who's based in the lower mainland is really spearheading this cause um, because Drea cares deeply about the integrity of policing, but also about good cops and you see bad cops like Frederick Buckman trade on the reputation and the good work of the good cops in the community. That's how they get away with what they do for so long is because those other cops have earned the respect of the community. And so that's why we're very good on good cops and very, very hard on bad cops. And she, so she's spearheading a petition. It's at fireofficerbuckman.com. And I'll spell that for you. Officer Buckman is B U C H M A. And two ends. Please go there and sign it. And Drea will make sure it ends up in the hands of the right people. Um, we don't want politically based policing in any of our communities. If you have violence committed against you, it shouldn't matter your politics or the politics of the person who committed it against you. But we have a cop here siding with Antifa against a, a man whose sole mission in the world is to peacefully educate people about the dangers of medically transitioning children. He advocates against the violence committed against kids by medical transition. And he does it by standing there peacefully with a billboard. He doesn't yell. He doesn't scream. He doesn't confront. But his mere presence agitates the most violent, vile people amongst us. And those people are the ones that Officer Buckman sided with. Fireofficerbuckman.com. That's the one. All right. Sign up. FireOfficerBuckman.com. Sheila, stay with us. We'll come back and we'll talk about Ontario's NDP proposing a bill to ban uh, protests against drag queen events, presumably the ones involving children. We'll uh, have that story for you next when the Richard Show continues right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. Yes, it is. Standing up for truth, beauty, and goodness. And uh, the exact opposite uh, would be the values held by uh, Ontario's unhinged Marxist-Leninists NDP. And one of their MPPs, Kristen Wong-Tam, in the Queen's Park media room yesterday, standing at the podium, introduced a private member's bill that would allow the Attorney General of Ontario to temporarily designate specific addresses as community safety zones. Those specific addresses would um, would have to do with uh, drag queen performances and uh, other LGBTQ community events protect them from so-called harassment and intimidation during their performances. 
Sheila Gunn-Reed is with Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, seen Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, rebelnews.com. And when I, I'm looking at this uh, photograph from the Queen's Park uh, media room, it looks like a publicity photo from a Federico Fellini film. You've got uh, a woman dressed as a witch. You've got someone dressed as a wizard. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better at Aquavita. Visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Um, you've got a couple of people wearing masks, all sorts of different, uh, garb. It's, it's quite a, uh, a motley crew. <laughs> anyway, uh, your, your thoughts on this piece of legislature proposed, uh, bill, uh, Sheila. Yeah. I watch a lot of boring government press conferences, but that thing was a real feast for the eyeballs. Um, uh, just a strange Comic-Con bunch of people. Um, yeah, there was a wizard, there's a witch, or perhaps that man was a warlock, uh, somebody in a wheelchair, and then just some poor, awkward-looking child standing there for some reason, while Kristen Wong Tam announces that she wants to replicate what Calgary's Mayor Jody Gondek is doing in Calgary all across Ontario with her private member's bill. And... This will basically outlaw protests that, I don't know, Kristen Wong Tam and her progressive friends have decided are um, untouchable. Um, these untouchable events, which include drag queen story hours within 100 meters. And if you violate, she wants the penalty to be $25,000 if you protest. That's your fine for exhibiting your free speech in Ontario. And, but I've got a real concern that Doug Ford will bow down to this because he's not giving a lot of pushback on very many progressive issues. And the left will wedge this, that if you don't agree to fine pastors, parents, normal people who disagree with the sexualization of children, if you don't agree to fine them $25,000, you're some kind of homophobe and transphobe. Um, I, I'm worried that Doug Ford is going to give in to this. I fear that you are right. Um, and here's the other thing. LGBTQ communities. Who, nobody is protesting LGB or alleged, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual community events. Nobody in this country. Uh, they're being celebrated. Um, then they tack on the, the TQ. And we're talking about, as you say, drag queen story hours involving children. Uh, I, you know, there's no such thing as an LGP community, first of all, they're individuals, but uh, it would be, it would be great if we heard from more and they are starting to speak up and, 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 and separate themselves from, because they, a lot of them don't agree with these, you know, drag queen story hours and they're being lumped together um, as an LGBTQ community, which is nonsense. Uh, but w when it's children involved, I mean, they want they want to criminalize protesting the sexualization of children. So, I mean, what's next? Um, if if a parent objects, let's say, to a drag queen performance inside a school uh, and shows up to, you know, to object, will they be hauled away in handcuffs? I mean, where are we going with this? 
Well, that's the thing. Like, as you rightly point out, nobody is protesting LGBT events. Nobody, nobody is, nobody is protesting a gay wedding. That ship has sailed. These are people who care about the use of government funded facilities, by and large public libraries for the sexualization of minors. And there is really no other reason to be having a drag queen read to a small child. Could somebody produce for me the data about the correlation between childhood literacy rates and a guy in sequined ladies underpants reading to the child? They, they can't tell me where the correlation is, so I don't see why they, this needs to happen. And nobody can explain it to anybody. But you are right. There are people from within the LGBT community. And again, I would say that there's probably not a community because it's not an amorphous blob. These are individuals just like the rest of us. Gays Against Groomers has been turning up at these drag queen story hours and saying, this is inappropriate for children. And those are the voices that we need to hear more of. But I am with you. This is a very slippery slope. And people talk all the time about how conservatives raise alarm bells about slippery slopes like we did with maid. And now they want to, you know, do away with the mentally ill. So uh, I, I fear that this is a lot of the same thing. We already saw this at the um, Ottawa Carleton district school board with Nilly Kaplan Murth. Um, she basically shut down a parent who showed up at the school board as is his right to hold his elected officials to account for the fact that there were biological males in the girls' bathroom. And she called him a transphobe and had him basically removed from the school board meeting, censored him completely. So what's next? If this law is in place, would some tyrant like Nilly Kaplan Mirth use it to shut up a parent? You better believe it. Um, I think this law will be weaponized and set a terrible precedent for political disagreement going forward. All right, everyone, call your MPP. Make sure they know how you stand with re- with regards to um, MPP Kristen Wong Tam's private members bill, NDP MPP Kristen Wong Tam. Again, introducing a private members bill uh, that would essentially criminalize protesting a drag queen, an all, an all ages drag queen uh, event. Sheila, thank you so much for your time as always. Thanks for your care and concern about these issues, Richard. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, rebelnews.com. When we come back, Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek humiliated after being asked about her defund the police record. And uh, the journalist who asked that question, Kian Bexty from The Counter Signal, is here next. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 a.m., Welcome back. Well, there is a violent crime wave sweeping the nation, and uh, Alberta, no different. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says, well, whatever needs to be done, whatever it takes. And so she has pledged 100 new police officers, mainly for Edmonton and Calgary. So the other day she was in Calgary to make the announcement. Standing by her side was Calgary's fraudulent mayor, Jody Gondek looking rather awkward and uncomfortable. Why would that be? Well, we're about to find out. Here is independent journalist and the founder of The Counter Signal, Kian Bexty. Kian, welcome back. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? Very well. Thank you. So, um, Danielle Smith, the Premier Smith, standing at the podium, making the announcement, uh, also in attendance there, looking rather sheepish. 
is uh, Jody Kondek. And then you asked a very uh, poignant and for her a very embarrassing question. Do you want to repeat what that question was to the mayor? Yeah, I mean, basically, I asked, how can you possibly be standing here and how can Calgarians be trusting you uh, to, to protect them when just a handful of months ago you were beating the drum and fighting tooth and nail to defund the Calgary Police Service. They wanted to cut the Calgary Police Service budget by $20 million. Think about what that means on the streets. And think about the current crime situation. I, I mean, we can think about that, but they clearly were not. People like Jody Gondek, Nahid Nenshi, Drew Farrell, who's now running for Rachel Notley's party in the upcoming provincial election, uh, all of these all of these politicians uh, wanted to defund the police, and then they realize what happens when um, when they when their policies are allowed to to actually be implemented. There's been stabbings in Calgary every day for the past week. Uh, people are dying, people are being killed, people are being robbed, uh, car windows are being smashed in, and Jody Gondek just a handful of months ago wanted the police to have a smaller budget, not a larger budget. So when she's flip-flopping on basic issues like public safety, how can Cal- Calgarians trust her? How can how can we know that our mayor, who's in charge of our police department, is looking out for us and not the criminals? So that was your question to her. And how did the mayor of Calgary, Jody Gondek, respond to your question? Well, she... she turned around she just turned around and left. She didn't even answer. She just sort of opened her mouth, stunned for a second, realized that the question wasn't, you know, in her pre pre-calculated script. Uh, you know, I don't go to these I don't go to these press conferences too often. It's usually just the mainstream media that can afford to spend their whole day following politicians around. Uh, but I figured I would come to this one because the day prior there was a particularly egregious stabbing spree. Four people were stabbed in Calgary. So I figured, oh, I'll go see what Daniel Smith has to say. I was shocked to see Jody Gondek at the press conference because, you know, she she's well known for wanting to defund the police. And, and this was a, this was a whatever it takes press conference to stop violent crime. And she was standing there. Of course, she seemed a little bit out of place and she made sure in her little speech before the questions came to say, Oh, I'm here in a nonpartisan capacity. I'm not supporting Daniel Smith and her reelection. She also had a uh, land acknowledgement at the start. None of the other politicians that that were there bothered to do a land acknowledgement. And it gives you a little perspective on how out of touch these people are. They think that these issues of uh, these woke issues of, of, you know, land acknowledgements and um, other wokeisms are, are important. But what people really care about at the end of the day, Richard, is uh, that they don't get stabbed on their way to work. So the, uh, the premier came uh, with funding um, to fund a hundred new police officers, mainly for Edmonton and Calgary. So has mm-hmm. Gondek uh, going to accept this money or, or, you know, is she going to stand by her principles and say, no, 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 we don't need the money. She's, she is uh, not really in a position to say no, uh, that her, her attendance to that press conference implied that, okay, fine, go ahead, uh, you know, protect our streets. I'm not going to do it myself. So you might as well do it. Uh, Daniel Smith was clear that this money is for police officers. It's for boots on the ground. Uh, my only concern, 
and you know Daniel Smith has to be diligent about this, as does every premier that steps in uh, for left-wing mayors that refuse to protect their cities, that these police officers are not going to be used as roadside ornaments to give tickets to soccer moms who are going 10 over on the Deerfoot uh, or, or uh, you know, on Stony Trail or the highway, that these police officers are actually on the road, uh, on the streets, uh, arresting the dealers who are giving fentanyl and crack cocaine to ad- addicts who need help uh, and are putting those addicts in positions where they can get the care that they need, not just stepping over them and ignoring them. Uh, these shouldn't be targeting law-abiding Calgarians who are just trying to get to work on time. Uh, they need to be actively on the streets, keeping Albertans safe. Well, not a good look, again, for Calgary's fraudulent mayor, Jody Gondek, when she uh, basically <laughs> just stood there, gobsmacked at your question, and then uh, turned on her heels and walked away from the podium. Uh, not a good yeah. at all. Uh, I, I, I think she thought it would turn out well for her. I think she thought she would look cool doing it. Uh, but, you know, I woke up to over 200 emails in my inbox this morning saying, wow, uh, you know, I was sort of a centrist. I, I made some even voted for Jody Gondek, but they were, they were really frustrated that she wouldn't answer a question that everyone's thinking. And, you know, that's the problem with the mainstream media. They know the questions that they should ask and they refuse to, they know the questions that everyone's thinking, but they're either not brave enough or too in the pockets of politicians to ask these questions. And when someone actually dares to ask a question that everyone's thinking, she just turns around and leaves. And that really outrages people. Exactly. Yeah, she wasn't expecting an actual journalist to show up and ask an actual question. Kian Bexty is the founder of The Countersignal. Please support independent media, thecountersignal.com. Kian, great work. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back, we'll push back against the cults of climate change. Tony Heller is standing by. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Cult of Climate Change on The Richard Serrett Show. Not just a cult, it's a death cult. In fact, according to uh, two eminent scientists, one from Princeton and one from MIT, billions of people around the world face starvation. Billions around the world face starvation if net zero policies, including the ban on the production of nitrogen fertilizer derived from fossil fuels, happens. This is uh, the stark warning from two top American scientists who say that eliminating fossil fuel-derived nitrogen fertilizers and pesticides will result in about half the world's population not having enough food to eat. And they add that eliminating net zero fertilizer will create worldwide starvation. That's why we call it a death cult. Tony Heller is the founder of RealClimateScience.com, and he joins us now. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm good, Richard. How about you? Very well, very well. Uh, so the um, the professors in question, Emer- uh, emeritus professors William Happer of Princeton and Richard Lin- Linsd- Linsen of uh, MIT. Uh, are you familiar with their work? <clears throat> yeah, I know both of them very well. Ah, OK. So um, 
What do, what do you think of their their dire warning? I mean, I know you you would agree, but um, let's just unpack their their uh, their warning a little bit. Well, th- th- there's nothing mysterious about what they're saying. It's absolutely true. Um, our, our agricultural system and food distribution system is based on fossil fuels. <clears throat> um, I, have an, I have an 1895 edition of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and it talks about how slavery was ubiquitous in agricultural societies um, because that was the only way they could create enough food. And then when we, we, we developed, you know, fossil fuel based agriculture system with tractors and trucks to distribute the food that not only eliminated slavery, but it made it possible to feed huge numbers of people. And there's been huge increases in agricultural productivity over the last 50 or 60 years, like, like by a factor of 10, um, which was, close to 10, which is due um, to a couple of things. One was increased levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, which makes plants grow faster. But probably the bigger contribution was fertilizers, um, artificial fertilizers. And like the Dutch government's trying to get rid of these nitrogen-based fertilizers and climate alarmists around the world are trying to get rid of fossil fuel-based agriculture, which there's no question it would lead to mass starvation and the destruction of our civilization. So this isn't even controversial by anyone who actually looks at the science. Right. And um, we would probably be in agreement that this maybe is by design. That's their intent is depopulation, right? They would gladly uh, sit by idly and watch the world's population, you know, decimated. Yeah, that's what they've been saying for decades is they want to greatly reduce the world's population. Of course, they can't advertise it like that because that would be genocide and make them the bad guys. So instead, what they do is they just created this whole climate scam, tried to make people believe that they're doing this to save lives rather than to destroy them. But there's no science behind what these people are saying. There is no climate emergency. Carbon dioxide is not bad for the climate. It's not bad for people. They've created this big lie as a front to cover up for the genocide, which they seem to be intending on doing. Uh, There are uh, some academics, if you will, that are in favor, of course, of, uh, you know, this net zero suicide pill. And they're they're suggesting a return to World War Two rationing um, as an effective way to reduce carbon emissions. And um, um, yeah, that's basically it. A World War Two rationing. This would be for food and gas and everything else. Yeah. You imagine. You know, climate alarmists, so it, it, it's the same sort of thing we've always seen in society. There's always a class of privileged people who get to live well, and then then there's the 90% who live very poorly. And you saw this in Europe with the royalty. That's how communism operated in the Soviet Union. The people... The people at the top always think they're going to be safe from the edicts which they're forcing on everybody else. Well, uh, I think this message that this is a suicide mission, net zero, is finally starting to catch on. Uh, I noted that back in March, the Bank of England uh, is demoting its net zero agenda and cutting spending on climate change. That's a very good sign, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I, I hope that we're raising some awareness of people that, that they're being lied to about the whole climate thing and that their intent is something is the exact opposite of what they claim it is. Tony Hiller, founder of RealClimateScience.com. Check out his uh, his stories, his uh, videos, RealClimateScience.com. You can also find them on uh, Rumble and um, YouTube. Tony, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. All right, hour two awaits. We'll uh, we'll hear from country music star Derek Johnson, uh, who says that uh, because of Trump's indictment, he's going to be uh, a legend, an icon, and a folk hero. Plus, your calls, again, coming up in the second hour, your calls, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And then, last order of business, this week in rock history. Stay tuned for hour two of the Richard Serrett Show, which gets underway in mere moments right here on Saga 960. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Pity we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! Welcome to Hour 2 of the Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, wow, you missed a lot. But, uh, you know, don't don't beat yourself up. There's still plenty of great programming coming your way, including to uh, round out the program, last order of business this week in rock history. Jeremiah Tittle will be here, co-host of The 500. And that's a terrific podcast if you haven't checked it out. It's uh, basically the countdown Rolling Stone magazine's uh, 500 greatest albums of all time. And then they invite... Uh, comedians and other musicians and actors to come on and talk about that particular album and what it means to them. So Jeremiah Tittle will be here. And uh, well, obviously uh, this day in history back in 1994, Kurt Cobain uh, died at his own hand, or there are some who who believe he may have been murdered. And we'll also talk about uh, on this day in uh, rock history back in 1964, the, um, that iconic opening scene from the Beatles movie, A Hard Day's Night, was filmed. And that opening chord from that song, Hard Day's Night, I mean, 
arguably the most recognizable, iconic rock chord, opening chord in history. All right. Oh, we'll also take your calls. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. That's the number to get on board and join the conversation. All right. As I mentioned earlier, so here we are a day after Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg fumbled the bag, as my kids would say. <laughs> he fumbled the bag. And um, esteemed constitutional expert Jonathan Turley saying, basically, if the New York bench retains any integrity, this case will be thrown out as legally improper uh, and could even see the disbarment of uh, Alvin Bragg. Or imprisonment. It's a felony to leak grand jury documents, and that appears to be what has happened. Regardless, this is all playing into the hands of 45, hopefully to soon to be 47, Donald Trump. And uh, my next guest says uh, the outlaw president uh, and his indictment makes him a legend, an icon, and a folk hero. Yes, he is. Um, you know, so. Hey, sorry, Derek. I was waiting. Uh, we were supposed to play a little bit of music. Let me just uh, oh. to play that for us. Sorry. You got a dog that'll hunt, skeeter that'll bite, a buck that'll jump, a Clyde that'll ride. If you got some 90s, clean black gold Spinning in a muddy four-wheel drive That's when you know you're doing country ride There you go. That's uh, Derek Johnson doing country right. He's a U.S. Army veteran, legal and military historian, independent country music star known worldwide for his back-to-back billboard hits, Real Cool, Kinda Hot, and Right Beer Right Now. He's an avid Trump supporter and advocate for teaching American history and the U.S. Constitution and dedicated to restoring law and order through educating Americans about our military laws and the country's founding. Derek now we're ready to go. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. My bad about that. I saw your point and I was like, I'm always ready to roll. So. <laughs> well, here you are. Yes, I know you're ready to roll. So um, I know we didn't. As some people were kind of hoping that we would get the uh, an, an actual mug shot of 45 because that would have been that would have played into his hands, too. But they they managed to sort of mock one up and put that on T-shirts and that's selling like like hotcakes. But you say this is all going to, uh, to to turn Donald Trump into an absolute legend, icon and folk hero. Explain. Well, here's why, you know, uh, down here in America, uh, 75%, roughly 75%, you can go to Google and find all kinds of numbers, but roughly 75% of America can't even name the three branches of government. They can't even just say judicial, legislative, and executive. So they definitely don't know simplicities of laws and government. The other thing I don't do is I went viral in August talking about this. I didn't build a platform, so I want to uh, give a shout out to you and all the others who build platforms. I didn't. I just went viral and all of a sudden was put in this position. Now I know that God put me here for a reason. My service time was cut short. I enlisted with a degree. I didn't get to serve as long as I wanted to, uh, but I found my purpose. Um, and uh, that, that came through a viral video that went globally viral. There's a, there's a chronological order and a blueprint of law and order, but military law first in our nation, military 
was established first and military law was established first called war articles long before the declaration long before the constitution long before the bill of rights long before the articles of confederation long before all those so what we have is a nation who if if 75 percent whatever the number is exactly cannot name the three branches i'm about to shell shot the world but it's in all laws and orders there's a chronological blueprint that shows how donald john trump is legally still your sitting president and commander in chief. And I'm about to show you how really quick. All right. So, let's have it. yeah. So on January 17, 2017, Congress issued a continuity of government, federal con. This is three days before Trump took office, January 20, 2017, a federal continuity directive one is what it's called. Inside that, it has two very key chapters, reconstitution and devolution. It also shows how the three branches of government are under a continuity of government. What is a continuity of government? A continuity of government is a continuity plan for how the government can function after an attack. How did, how did they know to issue this January 17, 2017, three years before 2020? All right. And then to show how it's continuous, it also part two was issued June 13th, 2017, which is the implementation phase of part one. Part one's operational dates are from 2018 to 2022 and part two's operational dates say 2020 to 2024. That's on the federal You know, and it's like one of my followers said, I'm either one heck of a hacker or this is all written as it's written. All right. Now, in March 2020 was a definitive point. If you're a cowboy like me and you know anything about Texas, you know about the Alamo. The Alamo was a definitive point in Texas history. William Barrett Travis, who grew up in my hometown in Alabama, drew a line in the sand. He said, men, if you stand on this side of the line with me, you're going to die right here, but you're going to die a hero. He also wrote a letter called Victory or Death that didn't make it to D.C. in time for reinforcement. They died at the Alamo. That was a line in the sand. Now, they might have known it, not have known it right at the moment, how iconic that line was going to be. But Donald John Trump and the military drew that line in 2016 when Trump said on the campaign trail, never again will we voice to the public what's going on inside our military, because if you find out, guess who finds out? And he also said something that was considered a conspiracy theory for the last 60 years that my grandfather and great uncles, especially my great uncle, who was a Purple Heart at Normandy, used to talk about not collectively, but separately. 200 generals said never again will we let happen in this country what happened under JFK. If we have a chance to take it back over, we're going to throw a coup d'etat and take it back over. On a campaign trail the same night that Donald Trump said about the military, he looked at Jeb Bush when Jeb Bush said, who's going to back you? Who's going to support you and vote for you? Donald John Trump, smart aleck, my man. I love him. He's a smart ass. I love that because of the fact that when you have something to back it up with, then you can be whatever you want to be. He told Jeb Bush, that's a loaded question. That's more than one question. And if the moderator give me time, if, if Mr. Richard right here give me time, I'm going to answer that. All right. He specifically said, Who's going to vote for me? The American people. They're tired of BS politicians like you who get on the stage and you tell the American people what they want to hear, but you never back it up. I'm a businessman, not a politician. Who's going to back me and support me? I have over 200 generals backing me right now. Now, when an Army veteran like me hears 200 generals, I don't hear individuals. I hear 200 generals and their divisions. All right. In March 2020, Donald John Trump, by 
the Article II of the Constitution and by the First and Second War Powers Act, became a wartime president when he federalized one million National Guard to act to duty. He put it in Executive Order 13912, which is found in 10 U.S. Code 1209. When I raised my right hand to serve in the Army, I swore in under Title 10. You can't have one without the other. The same Title 10 I swore in under is also where this executive order is found. And that order is active to March 2024. So Biden is what they call a continuity of government, because in March 2020, Donald Trump said two very iconic things in March 2020, when Fox and CNN and NBC said, are you a wartime president? Yes, I am. The other thing he said, different war, same scenario as World War II, different war. They say clarify that. He said, we're fighting an invisible regime. You and I don't know who they are. Who is we? The military. On January 20, 2017, when Donald Trump was inaugurated, there were two military officers standing right beside him with a headband. Military intelligence, judge advocate generals. They were setting a precedent of what was going to come. We're in an operation, a continuity of government. And then the military came in March 2020 when he said different war, same scenario. That same scenario are the same laws and orders of which Roosevelt, Roosevelt was given the power by Congress to declare war. It's called the First and Second War Powers Act. He was given the power to restructure the executive branch for a president. That's in 50 U.S. Code, Chapter 33, Section 1541, that when a president cannot, by law, enforce the laws, when the laws are not, ha then by national emergency, the president can declare war. Donald Trump declared 10 national emergencies from December 2017 to March 2020. And in March 2020, on the 10th one, well, because we're under a continuity government, a national emergency, when a president declares that, guess what it says? That Congress must come up with a joint resolution. Well, they don't have one because we have these directives back here that show you we're in a continuity government. Well, if Americans don't know what the branches are, then guess what? They don't know that the courts, the presidential executive branch, and also the Congress don't have any power during this continuity government. It's the military who's running this. In the Law of War Manual, which was issued June 12, 2015, a new Law of War Manual came out for the DOD. If you go read Section 11.3 and 11.4, it talks about a military occupancy. And that's what's taking place because every single day since March 2020, the National Guard of the United States of America have been out of their state jurisdictions every single day and out of this country. The only person who can federalize the National Guard to act to duty is the president of the United States of America. That's in 10 U.S. Code 12406, the same Title 10 I swore in under. Donald Trump is still legally your president and commander in chief via laws and orders. And then one more thing really quick. I'll get you to, I'll get you to hold on. We'll do this after yes, the break. Sir. Yes, uh, Derek Johnson, U.S. Army veteran, legal and military historian and independent country music star will come back and uh, he'll continue to explain why Donald John Trump is still the president of the United States right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 a.m. All right. Welcome back. Derek Johnson is with us, independent country music star, but also, wow, he knows his stuff. He's a uh, legal and military historian, and uh, he says that uh, Donald J. Trump is still president of the United States because he enacted a continuity of uh, governance. Is that the right term? Uh, continuity of government or governance? Um and you were about – just before we went to the break, Derek, you were about to add one more thing sort of as evidence that he's still president. Yes, sir. So um, 
So it's by laws and orders, current laws and orders, current and active laws and orders that have all been extended past September 2023 on into 2024. So what clarifies it all is the United States Supreme Court before the continuity government, because the courts and Congress and executive branch are all under a continuity government. This became this came before that, which was a military justice act of 2016. Now, it was passed in the National Defense Authorization Act, which is a defense budget of 2017. But this was written in 2016. The United States Supreme Court clarified that military laws, courts and personnel are separate from civil laws, courts and personnel. And they also went one step further and said that in military court, you can't plead the fifth. So if we got dirt on you, we got you. Okay, so. Our foundation, our military foundation came first once again, and our military laws came first. So this was the Supreme Court clarifying that what was about to take place. Now, one step further, you know, a lot of people ask, well, how is this how is this possible? Why don't we see Donald Trump sitting and current? It's an operation, right? It's a covert operation. It's a sting operation on the highest level that can possibly take place. We're also issuing a new quantum financial system. Uh, the banks went digital yesterday. A lot of banks, the U.S. Treasury Secretary said, were bankrupt. So there's a lot of things happening. Uh, the military requested tunnel access to so all the tunnels across the nation, also under universities. This is all reported in the Washington Post, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, from 2018, 2019. There's a lot of things that Americans uh, didn't see because Americans buy into drama, drama, emotions, and feelings versus facts. Okay, and how do you get your facts? Well, we're in national laws and orders. So here's what President Trump also did, which was iconic and super freaking awesome from a military standpoint, because that was a direct military order in March 2020. When he gave that command to federalize National Guard active duty, he's the commander in chief. The same thing that Roosevelt did. Roosevelt didn't ask Congress. Roosevelt told Congress in 1941, it's my duty under Article 2 as a commander in chief to act accordingly to the Constitution. So he didn't ask Congress. He told them, if you don't act, I will. And who do you think the military generals are going to listen to? Their commander in chief, not some House okay. representative. Got to ask you something then. If okay, Trump yes, is still in charge, why is the southern border wide open? You know, why, um, you know, why is the country going to, to, to hell at the speed of light? Well, you're you're watching a distraction. So a continuity of the government comes a lot of distraction. So. Let me just finish my point really quick, then I'll answer that. So the executive order 13919, Donald Trump gave equal authority to the Secretary of Defense to federalize National Guard active duty shortly after he federalized the National Guard. That's very iconic because that shows a commander in chief stepping back and giving delegation to his military generals and the experts, which would be multiple men and women generals across the world. And then his Abraham Accords, the Law of War Manual, all the countries that we're in alignment with, we're in allies with. This is a this is a world operation, not just U.S. So it needs to be clarified. And then really quick to show you, and I'll circle back around because you got a great question, but it, it's it, these answer that. Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay. Executive Order 13823 is Donald Trump's order, which revoked Obama's order to shut it down and kept it open. If Biden was president, he'd have the same powers as every other president. How come he has not shut down Guantanamo Bay, which he spent half of the 2020 campaign telling the people, his followers, he was going to shut down Guantanamo Half of the campaign, not spent on the border, not spent on inflation, taxes, gases, all this. He spent half his campaign on shut down Guantanamo Bay. If he was president, he could shut it down, snap of the finger with an executive order. He has it. 
Space Force, another thing that shows Joe Biden's not president by laws and orders. Space Force, Donald Trump established the Space Force December the 20th, 2019. The same day, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, military law, was reissued with multiple new pages and multiple new laws. Okay, same day. There's two words that Biden has never uttered or stuttered out of his mouth. That's the Space Force. That's a military branch. That's not how your president, your commander in chief, speaks to the military. His press secretary said if the Space Force would like to come over to the press conference, we'd love to get to know them better. That's not how the military works. Okay. So in August and December, this past August and December, the Army and the Navy, Article 2, Article 2 says what? The president is commander in chief of the Army and the Navy. The Army and the Navy transfer all communications, all communications to the Space Force to be under one command. Donald Trump's been dropping all kinds of comms about martial law coming, emergency communications. Under his speeches throughout 2022, it showed the people how to get an emergency radio. We don't have time to go into that, but it's all found in my documents. And then one more thing that'll answer you really clear. This is beautiful. I'm an Army veteran, United States Army. Shout out to the Army veterans. We love everybody else, but this is our moment to brag. Army, it's United States Army 3rd Infantry Division, known as the Old Guard, the official presidential salute battery that performs all presidential inaugurations for the presidents. You can get on YouTube and look all the way back to JFK and see four cannons used for presidential inaugurations. On January 20th, 2021, when the whole world thought that Donald Trump rode off into the sunset on Joint Base Andrews. Both Air Force Ones were present. Tail numbers 28,000, 29,000 were present. Biden didn't receive the traditional flight into D.C. Donald Trump rolls off a red carpet rollout, and on the fourth ruffle, dun, 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 four of those, the 21-gun salute starts simultaneous hell to the chief with four cannons. Donald Trump received a full-grade constitutional military regulation presidential inauguration service on January 20th. Flip side, Joe Biden. The whole world thought they witnessed Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. receive an inauguration. He didn't, okay? He raised his right hand at 11.47 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is a violation of the 20th Amendment of the Constitution. He swore in at the wrong time. Also, he did not touch the sacred wreath of the grave of the unknown soldier of soldiers who take the fallen uniform. He did not touch that wreath. And right beside that wreath was a soldier who was not in unison. Their cover was off. Anybody who's been in the military knows when you walk outside, your cover goes on. When you walk inside, your cover goes off. It is a unison thing. There's a soldier right beside that wreath on national TV that shows the cover off. Then it flips over to the most beautiful thing you could ever see in your life. It's the Army who performs all funeral services for presidents. They use three cannons. On January 20th, 2021, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. received a full-grade military regulation funeral service because there were three cannons. All right, that Derek, i got to jump different. in again. Pardon the interruption, but I'm late here for a break. Can I get hold you over to the next segment? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, he's on a roll. Derek Johnson, U.S. Army veteran, legal and military historian, and, of course, independent country music star. Back with more when we come back. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. All right. Just a few minutes remain with uh, country music star Derek Johnson, U.S. Army veteran, legal and military historian who says that Donald Trump is still the president because he enacted a continuity of governance uh, way back in uh, 2016 and then uh, I guess renewed it. He's still the president. Uh, Time is tight here, Derek. So I just need to sort of cut to the quick. My, My that question that I asked you earlier, if. President Trump is still, in fact, in charge. Why do we see, 
you know, the, the, the southern border wide open, fentanyl, you know, uh, pouring across the border. We, we see all of these, you know, the energy independence has gone out the window. Everything that Trump tried to establish seems to have fallen by the by the wayside. How can he be president if all of this is going on? So you're telling me 15 million people are pouring across the border. I don't see that. Um, it's an act. This is all a continuity of government. It's called a distraction. It's also code 47 U.S. Code 606, which there are certain things I can and can't say on FCC regulation channels and also radio stations. Same thing even in country music. When I'm on radio stations there, nothing to do with politics. There are certain things I cannot say, but also that's called war powers of the president. 47 U.S. Code 606. He can control TV, internet, radio, podcast, broadcast. He can shut them down. He can control the narrative. He can also shut down close, closing of government facilities. Why did a fence go around the Capitol building? Why is it still there? Why did a fence go around the Federal Reserve building? So it's what they call an act. So to answer your border question, it's it's more of a policy thing. It's not the border. The, there's only 200 miles that were left that were needed to be clo- enclosed. Uh, the wall was finished. It's not 15 million people pouring over by foot. Uh, now, naturally, we're always going to have a border issue if we want borders. So there's always going to be that with, no matter where that is. Uh, but the thing is, is that if I said, um, Richard, if I said, Mr. Richard, I don't like calling you that. I don't like to call you by a respectful name. But Mr. Richard, if I said, hey, you know, if I said, hey, I think, uh, Mr. Richard, I like that sweater you got on. If I was calling you out in, in public, right, and I said, I want to give you a compliment, I'd compliment. But if I said in front of people, if I said, Richard, you're central casting, you know how many people that would blow over their head? So in 2017 and 2018, Donald Trump, when he was inaugurated, visually for everybody to actually see him sitting president, he pointed to multiple generals and he said, you, you're a good looking general. If I were going to have you play in a movie, you'd be central casting. All right. Well, he just said that at CPAC, Tom Homan. Tom Homan, last time I saw him, he punched me in the ribs and said, keep doing what you're doing. Real tough guy. Right. If I was going to call out Tom Homan in public, I'd say, Tom Homan, don't punch me in the ribs anymore. You like cracked all of them. And you're a tough guy. Thank you for what you do. CPAC, Donald Trump, where's Tom Homan at? You're central casting. Now, he's not talking about Tom Homan himself. He's talking about Tom Homan's job is central casting. When you Google central casting, the first thing that pops up, the leading background actor agency in the United States of America, what you're watching is a massive operation. It's meant to have a lot of distractions, but it's also not only distractions for this angle, it's to wake up Americans. In the Declaration of Independence, it is our right and it is our duty to overthrow such government that goes against its foundation. When we have 75% of Americans who just can't even name the three branches of government, do you think they know what their rights and their duties are? Do you think they understand what's been taking place of them? No, okay. they don't. Final question. And I got to get you to keep this one short if you can. And oh, yeah. is, where does where does this all end? I mean, when 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 is the big reveal when President Trump says I'm still in charge or does it happen that way? Well, so last night was very if you've been fought, people been following me, um, you would know these optics and what we call comms. So optics, visual comms hearing um, last night, he walks out with gold fringe flags that were in like when he walks out and then he walks on the stage. There's no fringes on the flags and there's no tassels on the flag. That's a sign of transition. All right. And then also, it wasn't me who reported this. The New York Times reported December 29, 2021, that military tribunals are coming mid 2023. Well, I've been saying this now for eight months since I blew up, um, you know, back in what they said. But I have an official DOD itinerary invite from a radio station to go down to Guantanamo Bay in June and July. 
all right, of this year. So that confirms everything. Now, whether I can go or not, we're working on that. But the military tribunals will be the revelation, whether they start the visual process June and July or if they just record them then and they show them later. But all of Donald Trump's comms out of his mouth, he says we're going to decimate street crime by 85 percent. That's martial law. He said, we're going to put our flag on the surface of Mars, military auxiliary radio system. Go read those continuity directives, and they talk about emergency communications all throughout those directives. So it's leading into that. I don't know the dates and times, but it's coming soon. All right, Derek, if people want to follow you and and, and learn more about this, where do they go? Thedocuments.info, so the documents, plural, thedocuments.info, the1776nation.com, uh, 1776nation on Facebook. Um, I'm on Rumble. Uh, Twitter, and also Telegram, same handle, Rattletrap1776, and True Social at Derek Johnson. There you go. Derek, thank you so much. Great meeting you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. That was a wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll come back and open up the phone lines for a few minutes at 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Back with the Richard Serrett Show right after these. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. And the emails are coming in. Uh, we just heard from Derek Johnson. U.S. Army veteran, legal military historian, independent country music star. And uh, to be honest, that was not the direction I uh, uh, anticipated that interview going. I thought that uh, Derek was going to come on and talk about how the indictment of President Trump would play into his hand and and, uh, just, you know, further his legend and his status with uh, his MAGA base and so forth, which is fine. That's not what he uh, he was talking about. Uh, Derek Johnson believes that uh, well and he he claims to be a a legal and military historian uh but he he claims that president trump is still the president and that back in 2016 he enacted a um continuity of governance measure i guess basically which is something that is done during wartime and uh under this continuity of governance he is still legally the president can I verify that? No. People are emailing me and asking. Uh, let me just give you a sampling here. Um, Henry. Henry writes, is this Derek Johnson crazy? I like Trump and I love your show, but can you verify any of the things he's saying? No, I cannot. I cannot. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jason. Wow, that was a wild ride. Looking forward to pursuing those documents. Great show, Richard, once again. Okay, so if you want to look at the documents... It's uh, the website is thedocuments.info, thedocuments.info. And there you'll find uh, he's got something called uh, Derek Johnson. That is Outline of the Blueprint by Derek Johnson, the short outline of the blueprint, New Military Occupancy 2016. Why the whys in 2022 and 2023, looking back on 2017 to 2021, the military and constitution regulated inauguration. I mean, you, you heard him speak about contrasting 
the um, uh, President Trump's supposed send-off versus Biden's supposed inauguration and how things were, you know, a little off. Very observant, this guy. Uh, another document here called Covert Operation and What's Really Happening in Ukraine, Optics 101, Hindsight is 2020, Military Aircraft Operations and Optics, Aircraft Operations Continued. So you'll have to uh, check out these documents. I'll have a look at them as well. Again, though, that's uh, caught me by surprise. Pleasantly so. Fantastic interview. Interesting fellow, to say the least. But to repeat, I cannot verify anything that he has said vis-a-vis President Trump still being president. All right. Uh, we are opening up the lines. No, we're not. We're done. We're going to uh, come back. It's uh, This Week in Rock History is coming up next with Jeremiah Tittle. Stay tuned for that on The Richard Serrett Show. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. That is, of course, Come As You Are, the uh, iconic song from an iconic band, Nirvana. And it was on this date in rock history back in 1994 that the lead singer and uh, lyricist songwriter Kurt Cobain. uh, Well, depending on whether you could subscribe to conspiracy theories, he either committed suicide or perhaps some say was perhaps murdered. And uh, here to discuss Jeremiah Tittle is co-host of The 500 with Josh Adam Myers and founder and CEO of Next Chapter Podcast. Jeremiah, welcome back. How are you? So good to be here with you, Richard. So, um, incidentally, do you have any theories as to uh, Kurt Cobain's suicide murder? I don't have any theories. You know, honestly, I think it it was a suicide. I agree with Mm -hmm. the Seattle Police Department, but I understand why there's controversy. I uh, understand. Stand when his toxicology report shows that he was so high on morphine that he wasn't, you know, able to pull the trigger. Yeah, that's one of the substantiating uh, pieces of evidence for those uh, conspiracy theorists out there. Um, you know, th- there's a, a couple other um, details which makes it a little controversial. But I think uh, the idea that he, a month prior he had committed or attempted suicide by taking way too many pills. I think it all points in that direction, and uh, I think the case is well closed. Although every week the Seattle Police Department still receives tweets, at least from fans wanting them to open back up uh, everything because they didn't actually take the fingerprints from the gun until a month later. And then at that point, they didn't have evidence to know it was definitely him pulling the trigger. Interesting. Interesting. So we came back from the break with uh, Come As You Are from by Nirvana, which was from their Nevermind album, uh, 1992. Uh, does that make did that make Rolling Stone magazine's top 500? Come As You Are. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, this band, 75 million albums sold five number one hits. They were in their prime, you could say, over the course of about three years. 
to do all this damage in the industry mm. and then posthumously to have MTV Unplugged come out the November, you know, uh, half a year after the death of uh, Kurt Cobain. And for that to be just a smash success for all the reasons, quality of music and the the story and, and the late great Kurt Cobain, it, it all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, admittedly, um, my... I was uh, not a huge Nirvana fan. I was I was more af- deeply affected by the death of John Lennon in 1980. Uh, mm-hmm. But I understand, like for the for the uh, the next generation, Kurt Cobain was kind of their John Lennon, right? Absolutely. And um, I have a Beatles tattoo on my left forearm. A huge Beatles fan. Uh, but I lived this. I mean, all my right. grungy friends were were into it. It was a very sad day. Um, and Kurt became, unlike John Lennon, a member of the 27 Club, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, and Kurt Cobain. Um, rarefied air there. Right. Uh, and also on this day, I, uh, on the 10th anniversary, so that would have been uh, 2005 on this day, uh, Kurt Cobain's hometown of Aberdeen, which is uh, on the west coast of uh, Washington. Um, well, you tell us what they did with their Welcome to Aberdeen sign. Welcome to Aberdeen. Come as you are, in quotes. Uh, that is, I think it's a beautiful message. It's a dark song. Uh, but, you know, you have to honor, suicide or not, the the greatness that was Kurt Cobain. Uh, uh, not a lot of people knew he had chronic uh, stomach condition that wasn't diagnosed. He had ADHD, I believe. Um, and so he really struggled with fame is a big uh, quote that that I had seen from uh, from Anthony Kiedis of Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I found to be really compelling. Uh, he said the, the news of Cobain's death sucked the air out of the entire house. He says, I don't know why everyone on Earth felt so close to the guy. He was beloved and endearing and inoffensive in some weird way for all of his screaming and all of his darkness. He was just lovable. And Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, wrote a song, an ode to Cobain, uh, Tearjerker, which is on One Hot Minute. Right. And and not particularly enamored with the uh, the music business, I understand. Wanted no. to, potentially wanted to, to give it all up. Is that was that just a rumor or? Well, uh, there's a, another quote I have here from uh, Greg Sage in the interview. He talked about how little uh, Kurt Cobain uh like that spotlight. He said uh, when he seemed when he got success, he seemed to be like, I think it's a it's a brick wall for him. There was nowhere to go but down. It was too artificial for him. And he wasn't an artificial person at all. So that was, uh, you know, I think that fame really got to him. And we've seen it with other rock stars, but uh, it's, it's quite a quite a sad story. All right. Well, you mentioned the Beatles also uh, on this day in music history. Money, if you could play that. Day's night. Is there a more iconic opening uh, rock chord in history? Everybody knows immediately that song from that chord. But we're not commemorating the anniversary of the release of the song. Uh, it was this week in rock history in 1964. They were filming a Hard Day's Night, and it was that opening. It was at the opening chase scene. Yeah, 
That's what they filmed on this day in 1964. Uh, the film portrays 36 hours in the lives of the group as they prepare for a TV performance. Um, it was a financial and critical success, nominated for two Academy Awards, uh, including Best Original Screenplay. And 40 years after its release, Time Magazine rated it as one of 100 all-time great films. Wow. Really? That's... Uh... <laughs> that's quite an endorsement. One of the greatest films. I don't know. I, um, um, now much of that film was shot in, in studio was in, inside Twickenham studios. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was such a smash success being the first film for the Beatles. I think setting the standard for many musician docs in the future. No, it's not, not a documentary per se, but um, I think my theory is that because the success of this film in particular, that the Beatles from there said, well, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> and, and I think you can look through the catalog of films uh, that the Beatles have uh, did since. And, and you can tell that they got weird and felt like they had nothing to prove after having such success with this one in particular. Right. Magical mystery tour. There was a, they were rumored. Uh, maybe it's more than a rumor that the Beatles uh, were trying to secure the rights for uh, the Lord of the Rings. They were going to make either maybe the Hobbit or, or one of those uh, movies. Uh, have you heard about that? I had not heard about that. I, th I would think if any rock band would have done that, that would have been Led Zeppelin. Uh, uh, we talked yes. about that last week. <laughs> you're right. You're right. They would have been the logical choice. All right. Great job, Jeremiah. Again, how do we listen to the 500 with Josh Adam Myers? Yeah, please uh, listen to the Rolling Stones uh, with Mark Marin as our guest. It's out today. All your podcast platforms uh, have the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Search for it and enjoy. All right. Thank you. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. All right. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, Jacob and Money. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM.